Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. My friends, this has not been the best of days. Let me share with you my multiple calamities. First of all, and this was my fault, uh, I'm addicted. I'm addicted to uh, politics. I'm addicted to world affairs. I love it. And so here we are with the uh, big summit out in Asia there in Singapore. Twelve hours difference. Wasn't going to put me down. Wasn't going to daunt me in any fashion. I stayed up all night glued to the TV set. I couldn't wait till four o'clock. I wanted to hear Donald Trump at his press conference. I did not fall asleep till six o'clock this morning. Woke up at nine. Now, normally I'm up at six doing my blog, which I do every day, and I don't finish that for about four hours. And here it's nine o'clock. I haven't started. So I, for, I was just tired. I didn't start the block till 11. Uh, and I ran through it swiftly. It happens to be a good one if you want to read it, uh, keywestloo.com. Uh, but I didn't start it until late, and I finished at 1.30. Now, I have the show tonight. I did some preliminary research yesterday, but I need four or five hours every Tuesday afternoon to get ready for this show. So I go to the computer. My computer won't work. My telephone, my landline won't work. My TV won't work. Comcast is down, and Comcast stayed down until 6.30 tonight, which further adds to my problems because now I had to hustle my ass to put the show together, which is a very good one. Don't let that bother you. I sound like Donald Trump now. It's a very good one. Uh, But it came out all right. Uh, But then I get on the, the computer at 6.30, and I got a letter from Bank of America. We've got a check for almost $3,000. Don't know if it's yours. We've locked your account. We've locked everything. Call. uh, Get in touch with us. I have to find a number to get in touch with them. I can't even look at my checking account on my bankofamerica.com on the Internet because they got that locked. Finally, you know how it is when you call people and they're busy. The phone rings and rings. I was on hold for three different people, 20 times, 20 minutes each time. Frustrating. I spent two hours with these people to finally get the thing worked out, uh, and it's resolved. <laughs> Not my fault, but I'm still getting charged $35. <laughs> I don't understand this, but forget that. So I, here I am doing the show. Let me start with the summit that took place yesterday in Singapore, the Trump-Kim summit. I am not a Trump fan. I believe he's incompetent. He's inept. He's a liar. Uh, I'm not afraid or ashamed to say this. The man lies constantly. You can't believe him on a stack of Bibles. Uh, He's not qualified to be president. He's not qualified to deal on the international stage. He may be very competent dealing with the mafia Uh, in New York City, with subcontractors in New York City, in cheating people who he owes money to. Uh, But he ain't qualified to be our president. However, he got done. They talked for, what, an hour and a half, two hours, and that was it. Trump had to leave early. I don't know what the hell was going on. But I, I thought about it, and I said, you know, at least these two men, who are both birds of a feather, I think, they're both crazy, they met. And once you meet someone, you're their friend, 
and they can talk to each other. Uh, and good can come out of this when people can call each other and say, hey, Tim, here's what's going on. What are you doing? Can't you do it this way? You're screwing me up. I got to do this, blah, blah, blah. Things work out. Uh, and I thought out of this would come good. Because, again, talk was better than fury and fire that we heard so much before. They are now friends. Well, and I recalled. I've got to tell you why I thought they would be, they could work things out at some point. Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev met in, in a summit in Iceland in 1987. They were not able to agree on anything. At least Trump and Kim came out with four points in a page-and-a-half document they both signed. They made a big deal out of it. Uh, there was nothing on there that was of any significance. Uh, it was diddly dip. Uh, they accomplished shit, excuse the way I put it, because I'm upset as I get into this, you'll find. But back in 1987, uh, Reagan and Gorbachev, they met in Iceland, and this was, you know, we're going to have a nuclear war all the time. This was the Cold War. They were unable to agree. They couldn't even put together a piece of paper they both could sign. No question, the meeting was a failure. But it turned out success began as a failure for these two men because it led them to knowing each other. They talked informally especially on the telephone. And what it did was it paved the way over a period of several years to the eventual end of the Cold War and the threat of nuclear war at that time. And I thought, you know, these two guys met in Singapore. Maybe things will work out now. They can talk directly with each other and have some degree of trust. Now, when my television came back on at 6.30... I see uh, 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 that Trump's on television. They got him on one of the news shows, news news shows uh, show. And what is he saying? He's saying this agreement we signed, which is garbage. I already told you, and everyone all day has been saying there's nothing to this agreement. It binds us to nothing. If anything, it gives Kim things, and it doesn't give the United States anything. We keep giving. Trump keeps giving. We get nothing in return. They've taken advantage of Trump. Well, there's Trump on TV tonight saying, oh, don't worry about that agreement. It means nothing. We had a very detailed conversation on denuclearization. We talked about how it was going to be done, the time frames involved, et cetera, et cetera. And this will all be put in writing in due course. He said, what did you expect of us? We were together for a short time yesterday. There was no way, no way to put what we talked about in writing. Well, if they did talk about these things, and I don't believe they did, I believe Donald Trump is lying, uh, it wouldn't have occurred this way had Trump did gone into this, uh, this summit the proper way. It takes months to prepare for a summit. You have all kinds of experts helping you. You bring a ton of experts with you to, to the meeting. Trump did none of this. Remember what he said? I have been ready my whole life for this meeting, you know. He did not have to prepare. And I don't think they really accomplished anything. And I think Trump realized he looked bad and tonight was lying to the American public. Don't worry, down the road we'll have it in writing everything I'm telling you. And then I know exactly what he's going to say, and so do you. Kim Baghdadi would not give it to me in writing. We're in trouble, friends. This is our president, okay? Uh, and in a year and a half, he has 
brought us down as a country, as a democracy. Uh, he's screwing all our friends, sucking up to our enemies. The man is destroying us as a nation. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it. We elected him. It's a long way to the election unless he gets impeached. Uh, and it's a shame. And it's, even though people still support him, you, they must wise up. And those of you who listen to this show and believe in this man, you should understand he's not good for us. Look what he has accomplished. He's not cleaning up the swamp. He's adding to the swamp. And so that's what I want to say about that. Now, we come to these children, uh, the immigrant children. We're so much involved in Singapore, we forgot about these kids for a week. You recall initially the 1,500 children. These children are taken away from their parents as they're coming across the border, trying to get across. Most of them legally with papers where they should get asylum for a while. They're seeking asylum. They're taken from their parents to discourage other people from coming across the border. An illegal act the way they're doing it, but Sessions is doing it, our attorney general. Probably at the behest or he wants to please his president who wants to fire him. And they lost 1,500 kids to begin. This was as of last week. And then they said, oh, we didn't lose them. They're with foster parents. But we're not sure who the foster parents are or where they are. Oh, let me say this to you. I had experience with foster parents back in New York State over the years. Foster parents, you say, oh, my God, these are nice people. They're taking children in. They're, gonna, they're helpful. Bullshit, my friends. I'm going to be realistic. I'm going to be real with you. Foster parents generally take kids in because they get paid for every child they take in and they harbor. I'm not saying that some may not have good hearts, but I'm saying for most, it's a money-making venture. Trust me, it is a money-making venture. So they're still looking for 1,500 kids. When the law says, you know, they got to be brought before a judge within 72 hours. And Sessions is just pulling these kids away through some into foster homes. But then comes a, another problem. Last week, and we've been away from this for a week now because of Singapore, but last week it was determined, we were advised, that there were 11,000 additional children. You heard me, that's a big number. 11,000 additional children that had been taken from their parents under the system. You know, we're going to teach you immigrants not to come across the border with your children. We'll take them away from you. And uh, these are babies, 10, 12 months old. These are teenagers all the way through the whole spectrum. Well, it was found out that these children were being detained in several closed Walmart buildings. And under very adverse conditions. Senator Jeff Merkley, Merkley, a Democrat from Oregon, he went to one, I think it was in Brownsville, Texas, to take a look. And they wouldn't let him in. The police came. They were going to arrest him. Even though he was a United States senator, they would not permit him in. Turns out he did get into another one. I guess he didn't say who he was. I don't know how the hell he got in. But here's what he saw. Here's what he saw. He saw thousands of children kept in big cages, he said, big cages. It was fencing with wire and nets stretched along the top so the kids could not get out. They were sleeping on concrete floors. There was a grossly insufficient number of cots or blankets for them. All right? Now, this is wrong. 
The White House accused the senator, by the way, of spreading lies. How does how does this happen in the United States of America? And more and more things like this are going to happen and have been happening under Donald Trump. You want them, folks? This is what you're going to get. Wise up. I'm saying it this way. I'm sorry. I'm becoming infuriated. Uh, let me say this to Attorney General Sessions, who's running this show. A bigot. Absolute bigot, this man. Uh and I, I, sincere, I believe he honestly thinks he's doing good. He's upholding the law. The man's screwy upstairs. He should not be attorney general. I don't care how many years he was a United States senator. But Sessions had three children. And he now has ten grandchildren. And his ten grandchildren are all young. How would Sessions feel? How would Sessions' wife feel if those children, ten grandchildren, were taken from their parents for some reason and put in these cages in these former Walmart buildings? Huh? He would, he would be up in arms. This is wrong. This is illegal. This is not American. But after all, those would be his children. These are not that he's putting in. I wish the man could experience this. He has to experience the pain so he understands that what he is doing is wrong. Which, I've talked about those 11,000 kids and that bothers me. Uh, Donald Trump. I'm staying with Trump a little bit tonight. I don't know if I'm going to get beyond Trump. I have other interesting things to talk about tonight. Next week may be a total non-Trump show. But Donald Trump says he talks with Putin regularly on the telephone, okay? This was last week. That's good because that's what I want him to do with Kim. These guys got to talk. They become friends. Well, he and Putin are becoming friends, obviously. And after all, they are friends. We know this. They've been friends forever, it seems. Uh, and Putin trusts him. Just like Trump, tr- uh, tr- I'm sorry, Trump trusts Putin. Just like Trump trusts Kim. He says, I've been with the man. I've talked with him for a couple of hours. I know him. He's a good person. I want you to remember something. Uh, remember Bush, too? He met with Putin, and he said afterwards, I looked into his eyes, and I could see the man. He's a good man. He got taken in by Putin initially. Trump has been taken in by Putin, and Trump is now taken in by Kim. Having said all that, Trump said last week he talks to him regularly on the phone. We know we have good conversations. We're friends. At the same time last week, James Mattis, uh, who is our Secretary of Defense, was speaking to a NATO group in Europe. And you know what he said to the NATO group in Europe? Prepare yourselves for war. Russia is going to attack with planes, ships, and troops. We need planes, ships, and troops to oppose Russia. Now, how the hell can Mattis, Secretary of Defense, at the same time that uh, Trump's telling the world, he's my friend, we talk on the phone, say to NATO, beware, war's coming with Russia. Doesn't make sense to me. Robert De Niro. God bless Robert De Niro. He spoke well uh, when he was at the Tony Awards Sunday night. He said, fuck Trump, and I'm saying it too, because you can talk this way, by the way, it's legal now. Fuck Trump. That took balls, if you excuse me again, took brass testicles to do that. But he was introducing someone, he said, fuck Trump. Uh, he, he, he's politically against him, obviously. The crowd, the whole crowd stood up and cheered him when he made that statement, okay? 
uh, the next morning, a marching morning Joe. Now, Joe and Mika are very anti-Trump. They're on his back all the time, Mika especially. And I like that because I don't like Trump. Uh, But be that as it may, they were very upset that De Niro had used that language uh, when talking about the President of the United States. I don't know if they were intimating he demanded respect because of his office. I'll tell you this, a man who does not give respect should not receive respect, and Trump respects no one. Uh, Or you shouldn't just talk like that about people. Maybe they meant that. I'm not sure that wasn't obvious. But I think they were wrong in taking that position. Uh, you got to call things the way you see them. What's happening here is it's a difference in political parties. And this, what, what I'm seeing is Republicans, when they fight, and I've noticed this over my whole uh, career, and I'm an old man now, but over the last 20, 30 years, they, when the Republicans are in a fight, they go for the jugular. They don't screw around. They're going to cut your throat open in every political fight. They're bastards. They're terrible. And then when the Democrats are attacking the Republicans, we're hard. But we don't go for the jugular. We, we, we have a gentlemanly way about us. I don't know why. I never knew why. Democrats play by the rules generally. There are exceptions whereas Republicans do not. And if the Democrats ever want to take this country back and get rid of this evil poison that Trump has brought us, they're going to have to fight the Republicans the same way the Republicans are fighting them. Okay? Playwright, famous playwright Tony Kirshner said in an interview backstage at the Tony Awards Sunday night, he says, uh, he denounced, Trump's presidency as, and I quote, the Hitler mistake, unquote, that put a, quote, borderline psychotic narcissist, narcissist in the White House. And he's right. This, I keep saying it. People write me because, you know, I write my blog. I say he's Hitler like he is. Uh, if you go through everything he does, he's Hitler. He read Hitler's speeches from the late 1920s through 1939. He loves being authoritarian. We're in trouble, folks, and we got to fight the battle to win. Which now brings me to Trump and the Prime Minister uh, of Canada. Uh, the Prime Minister is upset because we're going to impose these tariffs on probably our best friend in the world, uh, in addition to, next to England, is Canada. We don't even have a fence. We don't have a wall. Now we'll probably have a big wall across between our two countries. But be that as it may, uh, he doesn't like the Prime Minister of Canada. And they had words, they had words, and Trump said to him, he said, because he's talking about security. We have to have these tariffs, Trump says, for to protect the United States. It's necessary for our security. And what security? We've been on your side all the time. Okay, and Trump came back with, well, you guys burned down the White House. Well, it turns out the White House was burned down during the War of 1812. It was burned down by the British. They were our opponents in the War of 1812. There was no Canada in 1812. 
Canada did not come into existence till 1867. But that's the reason why we have to protect ourselves against Canada. They might try to burn the White House down again. The real hero of that story, and I want to interject, this was Dolly Madison, wife of President James Madison. The British were on the way. Parts of the White House were burning. She would not leave. She would not leave. She wanted to save a particular portrait of George Washington. And she had help, uh, White House people helping her to take it down. The problem was, because she was afraid the British would set fire to his portrait, uh, it was screwed in. The frame was screwed into the wall. They couldn't get it out. Finally, she said, cut the canvas out, which they did. They, they broke the frame and cut the canvas out. And Dolly Madison turned out to become a national heroine then and to today uh, because she said she's jeopardized her existence, jeopardized her life, could have been taken prisoner, but she wanted to save the president's portrait. Rudy Giuliani. This guy's terrific, folks, let me tell you. Uh, I don't know what's happened to him. He had a distinguished career. He was a practicing lawyer. He was the United, a United States attorney for the Southern District of New York, the most prominent U.S. attorney position in the world, in the United States. He prosecuted big-time mafia cases himself. He was in the courtroom. He was there for 9-11 and was a hero. And then he left, and he went into private life. He's been a banker. He's been a, a, a security expert. He's back to practicing law now. He's representing the President of the United States, especially with regard to Stormy Daniels. And last week he said some nasty things about Stormy Daniels. Uh, he, he knocked her down because she was a porn actress. Uh, and he, he said unkind things, even for, about a porn actress. You know, and I, I had this to say. I wrote about him. He's, he, tomorrow... Conk Life, a local weekly newspaper in Key West, comes out, and my article is in there for the week, and it's Rudy Giuliani Sexcapades. Because I say, my friends, and listen to me, people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Take a look at the Bible also, John 8, 7. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that ye not be judged. Giuliani had three wives. A lot of people have him. But he, he was the perfect cheater. He cheated on all three wives. He didn't do it, you know, try to hide it. He did it openly. He embarrassed his existing wife. He, he, he even took, he had them in the same bed as his spouse in the Gracie Mansion. Uh, his third wife recently sued him for divorce in April. Let's look at Donna Hanover. She was a TV uh, broadcaster at the time he married her. She, he was, she was wife number two. Uh, well, they got along, and then he fell in love with Judy Nathan, who became his third wife. But it took a while for the, for the two to break up, Donna and Rudy. And uh, at the time, he had Donna. He's living with Donna, and he's pumping Judy. He's also got a mistress. Three and one. This guy's terrific. <laughs> he also was using the New York Police Department as chauffeurs to drive all three women around. But they weren't supposed to know about each other. And one day, what's his name, Jimmy Breslin? He was a famous writer, comical. 
Uh, he called one of the police officers, who should not have been chauffeuring these people, by the way, but it was all covered up with convoluted type accounting, so it wasn't picked up till years later. It shouldn't have been done this way, but yeah, he was the mayor. He took advantage of it. And one chauffeur-driven car was driving uh, Judy into Gracie Mansion, and coming out was Donna in another chauffeur-driven car. It was okay for her to be in a chauffeur-driven car. She's the mayor's wife. And the girls almost got caught with each other. Another time, Judy was going into Gracie Mansion. She's not even married to him yet. And his mistress is being chauffeured in by another police officer directly behind her. So this guy, you know, he, he walked in fire. He didn't walk on water. He walked in fire. And another thing he did, he flaunted Judy as a girlfriend for several years before he married her. And while he was married to Donna... In Southampton on the summer weekends, he didn't care. He was open and notorious about it. And he talks about Stormy Daniels. I say it again, my friends. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Elvis Presley. Remember Elvis Presley? Well, he had some trouble initially. He used to take his hips and he'd swing them all over. It's like he was having sex with nobody, but he'd swing his hips. And when he went on television initially, they would not let him go on TV and show that. He had to be televised from the waist up. His hips could not show. And he also had to have a guitar covering his hips. Finally, Milton Berle got sick of this. He had Milton Berle's big comedian. He had a big show once a week. And he put on Elvis Presley with no guitar and showed his entire body, the hips, gyrating, singing, hound dog. <laughs> Elvis Presley shot to the top after that night. He was already big. He went all the way up following that show, okay? And it was gyrating, infamous pelvis that made him. Uh, I'm not saying it was good, it was bad, but this is what happened back then. We're getting ro new robots. I've been talking about robots for years. You know, if Trump wanted to do something right, he's saying, I'm going to bring jobs back. Those jobs were lost 20, 30 years ago. We don't even have the plants for most of these jobs. We'd have to reconfigure plants now to take these jobs back. We don't have trained people to work those jobs. What we have to do is to train our people to function in a society where robots are working with them because there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of robots working all over the world now with various corporations and with various industries. Well, they came, and I told you, they, they've developed a robot. I talked about it six months ago, a male one, a female one. The skin is like human skin. They talk. Ooh, that feels good. You have sex with a robot. I mean, that's, they got these things out there if you want to buy them now. And this isn't the balloon you blow up for you that been, has been done for years. Now we have hugging robots. They look like robots, but they got softly padded arms. Uh, they started developing them five years ago. They're working on them now. They hope to have them in, onto market soon. And what they do is they come up to you and they wrap their arms around you. And the hug has to be very comforting, okay? They're described as hugs that a human would love. And this is important. Let's face it. We love to be hugged, especially big hugs. So now we're going to be able, I'm laughing, but some people will, and why not if they need it, buy a robot that will hug them. 
talking about drive-in movies. Remember drive-in movies? If you're as old as me, I'm going to be 83 in about three weeks. Uh, drive-in movies were big. They first started in 1933. Their heyday were in the late 50s and mid-60s. Well, I was in high school in the late 50s and by the mid and going into and college and in the mid 60s i was married and had four kids okay so here's how it worked in the late 50s we used to go to the drive-in movie and we would neck we would embrace and we would kiss the windows would be steamed everyone's windows were steamed we all went to the drive-in so we could neck with our girlfriends by the mid 60s we went to the drive-in because it was a way to get out at night we put the kids in the back seat in their pajamas, cover them in blankets, put pillows under their heads, they'd go to sleep, and Mom and I, my wife and I, would watch the movie, and that's what the, the generation did 10 years later. We watched the movie. We didn't even neck. We were glad to be able to sit quietly and watch the movie while our kids were sleeping in the back seat. That's the show for this week. I may have aggravated some of you with my comments about Trump, so be it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I enjoy bringing it to you every week. I enjoy the fact that every week my numbers keep going up. You people are terrific. You love the show. I've got national advertisers. It's amazing. And I know the show's archived. Most of you watch the archive versions. You can get it anytime, 24 hours a day, uh, immediately after I do this show tonight. Buy Irma and Me if you haven't bought it yet. My book on the hurricane. Before another hurricane comes, read how I experienced the hurricane and the rest of us here in Key West. Thank you for joining me tonight. I look forward to being with you again next week.